Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the, humi in the humility of Christ. Here and now where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship. Let us worship God in spirit and in truth. As we are, as we are, as we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. O Lord, you have taught us that without love, whatever we do is worth nothing. Send your Holy Spirit and pour into our hearts your greatest gift, which is love, the true bond of peace and of all virtue, without which whoever lives is accounted dead before you. Grant this for the sake of your only Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. The choir now guides us in our silent, personal prayers of confession. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Awaiting the pardon and peace of God, may we offer our silent prayers. Mr. Wesley first asked his poor Methodists, do you know God to be a pardoning God? Hear good news. If we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of Genesis, chapter 45, verses 3 through 11 and 15. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, so dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant of the earth, and to keep alive for you many survivors, so it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry up, hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. 
And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A lesson from Paul's epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 35 through 38, 
and 42 through 50. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? And what kind of body do they come? Fool, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you do not sow the body that is to be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, and what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a physical body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written. The first man, Adam, became a living being, and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the physical, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven, as was the man of dust. So are those who are of the dust and as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. What I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading responsively verses from Psalm 37 with the antiphon. of the wicked. Do not be envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so you will live in the land and enjoy security. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, Trust in him, and he will act. He will make your vindication shine like the light and the justice of your cause like the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret over those who prosper in their way, over those who carry out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For the wicked shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Yet a little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look diligently for their place, they will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant prosperity. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their refuge in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and rescues them. 
He rescues them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. And now, beloved, rise up in body as you are able, but certainly in heart, for the singing of the Gloria and the reading of the Gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke, chapter 6, verses 27 to 38. Glory to you, O Lord. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But Love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your, as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. As Robert Frost wrote of the star, it asks of us a certain height, so when at times the mob is swayed to carry praise or blame too far, we may take something like a star to stay our minds on and be stayed. In our first years here in Boston, perhaps 2006, 2007, my sister brought her youth group from Oneida to see Boston and to check up on her wayward brother. A gregarious, kind-hearted soul from Marsh took them up to the top of the law school next door to see what they could see, to take a long, the long view. It asks of us a certain height. One of our colleagues did work for some years next door at the College of Arts and Sciences. He encouraged students, you and faculty, me, to come over on Wednesday nights next door and go out on the roof to use the telescope. As a parishioner a long time ago said, speaking of an elderly neighbor with whom monthly he would meet with a telescope, we would go out to listen to the stars to take a long, the long view. It asks of us a certain height, so when at times the mob is swayed. Right now, or after worship, you can go on our website and see the chapel from the roof of photonics across the street, right nearby, next door. We had a parishioner who waved every Sunday morning at 
a.m. entering the chapel so her daughter in Oregon would know she was alive and well. By video camera, you can lift a prayer, see a friend walk across the plaza, be reminded of B.U. and King and Thurman and Marsh and learning virtue and piety. To take a long, the long view. It asks of us a certain height, so when at times the mob is swayed to carry praise or blame too far. My wife will sometimes say as I return and I'm reading the newspaper in the evening, did you notice anything different around here? I'm not a very visual person, but then I do notice a flower vase, a painting replaced, a seasonal decoration. Right now, this winter, four times a day, I pass a new building going up in our neighborhood just a block away, and I notice. I look at the new building going up at BU, and I am mesmerized, inspired, astounded by the design, by the craft, by the height. It is a riveting, impressive edifice. Tuesday there, I ran into an artist friend on a 10-degree but bright light day. We gazed and talked and looked up and thought and observed. We adjusted our view to take a long view, to take the long view. It asks of us a certain height, so when at times the mob is swayed to carry praise or blame too far, we may take something like a star to stay our minds on and be stayed. Luke 6.37, the gospel of forgiveness, asks of us a certain height, which is a saving grace. Forgiveness is a view, a long view, the long view, that asks of us a certain height. Forgive, forgive, and you will be forgiven. Relationship depends on the capacity to forgive. There comes a moment in most relationships when a future of any kind requires forgiveness. Which is easier, to heal the body or the soul? Which? The wounds of the flesh do often give way to some steady healing, not always. Yet even antiquity knew the power of healing. And thou, the soul, it is a hard question, which a devilish one. Did you ever see the film Citizen Kane, the depiction of a life, a grand life, rippling for eight decades around the cavernous hurt of childhood, rosebud, which is easier, to heal the body or the soul? Gabriel Vahanian, a strange yet remarkable man, when interviewed in his office by a graduate student 40 years ago, opined, all human activity is a cry for forgiveness. We can speak pretty fast about forgiveness, but the real thing, the shoreline of the real thing, hovers into view when you are pretty sure that there is no way to attain it. The thing about relationship that leads straight to forgiveness is that relationship means disappointment. When you love, you hope. But no single human is able to bear full, perfect hope because we are so human. We fail. And so when betrayal, real or perceived, occurs, the loss is great. If your best friend is your spouse and there is infidelity, you know both the need and the extreme difficulty of forgiveness. If your best friend is your neighbor and there is gossip, if your best friend is your work partner and there is phony accounting, if your best friend is your colleague and there is disloyalty, if your best friend is your coworker and there is betrayal, we can speak pretty fast about forgiveness. But the real thing, the enormity of the real thing hovers into view only when, on our own, we couldn't manage it. You say that leadership is the art of disappointing people at a rate they can handle. Well, real relationship inevitably and invariably involves disappointment. The Gospel of Luke, the star that fixes our gaze, calling out a certain height in us day by day, is forgiveness. Luke has placed this matter of forgiveness here 
because the church wanted and needed to trace back to Jesus its own need as well as power to forgive. Every community soon finds the need of forgiveness, a grace that cannot be engineered, for it is not of human origin. To forgive is divine, Alexander Pope. To err is human. To forgive is divine. We have to await its arrival, pray its blessing, hope for its timely intervention. As the globe sails into the heart of the 21st century, the profound need for the forgiving Jesus appears devastatingly paramount. It is a verse like Luke 6.37 that carries the full panorama, the view, the long view of forgiveness that the future will require. If we forever mount up with strength to defend as crusaders the details of our holiness traditions and will brook no no breach of them, our world future is dark indeed. Crusades do not work. A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Which is easier, to heal the body or the soul? Reinhold Niebuhr well expressed the historical political anatomy of forgiveness. If social cohesion is impossible without coercion, and coercion is impossible without the creation of social justice, and the destruction of injustice is impossible without the use of further coercion, are we not in an endless cycle of social conflict? Niebuhr, unlike other so-called realists, did not stop there. He did see a way forward. And it is this way, the way of forgiveness on a grand scale. One can mitigate the cruelties of conflict. One can remember Garrison and Gandhi. One can recognize that the evil in the foe is also in the self. One can avoid claims of spiritual superiority. One can work daily to develop a spiritual discipline against resentment a spiritual discipline against resentment. You hear it in Lincoln, you hear it in King, you hear it every every so often in some unlikely world leader. Some years ago, yet as memorable as yesterday, I heard it in the voice of Michelle Bachelet, then president of Chile. She's a physician. She, She spoke about healing of body and soul. The way is still there, somewhere out near the truth in life. Bachelet is a pediatrician by profession, and she was, along with her mother, a political prisoner, arrested and assaulted during Pinochet's rule. Her father, an Air Force general, died in prison after being tortured. And she said, you know, I have not had an easy life, but then who has? Violence destroyed what I loved because I was the victim of hate. I have consecrated my life to converting that hate into understanding, into tolerance, and why not say it? Into love. Before we die, may we feel forgiveness. Before we die, may we feel the fullness of forgiveness. Even if we feel it by virtue of its absence, a great homesickness for a land of love, still may we feel it. Even if it is, as Lao Tse said, the reality of the vessel is the shape of the void within, even there. And if we are so blessed, so graced to feel pardon, may we by grace so offer pardon to others. But be careful. We need to be careful. As with all real height, one must tread carefully here on the precipice of the long view. Last autumn, mid-pandemic, one sermon addressed the biblical personal theme of forgiveness in a traditional three-point manner. God forgives, others forgive, forgive yourself. The design employed an imaginary trip up into the attic of memory. Forgiveness is crucial, central, basic, and inalienable to the gospel of Jesus Christ, who by one account, that is in our very gospel of Luke, 
died on a cross praying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. There were many responses to the sermon from the virtual congregation. One, though, more than several others, lingered in the mind and stayed present in the heart through the past 18 months. A listener and friend took the time to correspond with the preacher, first to offer thanks for the sermon and to bear witness to its truth and meaning and importance, but second to raise a question as to whether at some points and in some situations forgiveness is not always a good thing, not even close to a good thing, and should be avoided. My friend recognized that the sermon was moving in the opposite direction toward the reception, not the bequest of forgiveness. God forgives, others forgive, we can forgive ourselves. But she took the next step and also addressed a related quandary, not that of receiving, but that of offering forgiveness. And within that, there lies a serious problem. Sometimes people should be encouraged not to forgive. Sometimes people should be warned off from forgiveness. Sometimes, like the kindness that kills, there is a forgiveness that fails, a forgiveness that falters, a forgiveness that frustrates the gospel witness to health, healing, wellness, and love. So, Reverend Dr. Anne Marie Hunter wrote, I'd love to nuance the issue of forgiveness to suggest that there are times when forgiveness can be a trap or barrier to safety, For example, when someone who is abusive says, after an abusive incident, honey, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And when the person being abused thinks, I'm supposed to forgive 70 times seven, so I will forgive you. And then the whole abusive incident happens all over again. And it may be worse this time. It could even be fatal. Perhaps we need to have as many words for forgiveness, as legend has it, Eskimos have for snow. One meaning could be, I forgive you, but I'm leaving this relationship because it's not safe. Another could be, I don't see the need to forgive you because you haven't repented and changed your behavior, and repentance needs to precede forgiveness. In any case, for survivors of abuse, the term forgiveness is loaded and often used to heap guilt and shame on their shoulders. They turn to their faith for guidance about what to do How can faith leaders and faith communities meet their needs? So she wrote 18 months ago. My friend was cautioning us to be careful way up high. That is, there are times and seasons when all we can do is pray. That is, there are times and seasons when all we can do is pray. There are times when the content of forgiveness is limited to prayer. Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, and that is all. Pray, not give in. Pray, not coddle. Pray, not cave. Pray, not collude. When hateful words or acts continue unabated, when personal attacks stand without apology, when your work in forgiveness, then your work in forgiveness is fulfilled only and entirely in prayer. Love your enemies, pray for them. And after that, shake the dust from your feet and move on. Now in a week of stories about borders and truckers, let us be honest that we are all equally in the dark as we truck on toward ultimate borders. Forgiveness is a border crossing of existential freight and might. May we open our lives to its height. Furthermore, the language of forgiveness is a foreign tongue. May we, by practice, learn its right pronunciation, its grammar, syntax, and spelling. For some years, happy years they, we worked among farmers and truckers and freight tradesfolk. We traveled across the northern border of our nation almost every weekday, driving down into Canada to study at McGill, and never lost completely a sense of anticipation and even dread at the border. One very cold morning near 5 a.m. down in the dark beyond Huntington, Quebec, I stopped in the snow alongside a lost trucker, 
I lowered the window to catch his question, Où est la frontière? When I had finally translated to myself the simple sentence, his question, where is the border, I leaned back and haltingly replied in French. But before I could say much, he caught my accent, or maybe it was my abysmal grammar, and sensing a common soul and jumping for joy, he said, oh, buddy, you speak English. You must be an American. We can talk. And I could say, you are not far, not far at all from the border. There is a surprising, joyful anticipation and faith as we approach the border. At the border, the same language we have used for a lifetime is in use, the language of grace. We cross the same border with every confession of sin and every acceptance of pardon. We cross the same border with every awareness of idolatry and every word of forgiveness. We have crossed over before in the daylight, so when the night falls, we need not fear. We know what the psalmist meant. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As Frost wrote of his star, it asks of us a certain height. So when at times the mob is swayed to carry praise or blame too far, we may choose something like a star to stay our minds on and be stayed. Amen. coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord.
Lord is poured out upon us in abundance. So we are bold to pray for the church, the world, and all that God has made. Our response after God of grace will be, hear our prayer. You teach us to love our neighbors and enemies alike. Encourage your church to follow the leading of your love, especially when it is risky or difficult. Help us to show mercy just as we have first received mercy. God of grace, hear our prayer. Look upon our world with mercy that we may delight in abundance of peace. Protect all whose lives are marred by war and civil unrest. Release political prisoners and amplify the voices that challenge us to seek forgiveness and pursue nonviolence. God of grace, hear our prayer. You bind us together in one family. Teach us to forgive one another and to resolve conflicts with humility and patience. Bless families of all shapes and sizes and show love to those who are lonely or grieving. God of grace, hear our prayer. We praise you for the saints who have inherited the fullness of your kingdom. As you have raised them, to imperishable and eternal life. Sustain us in faith by the promise of resurrection. God of grace, hear our prayer. Since we have such great hope in your promises, O God, we lift these and all our prayers to you in confidence and faith through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. And now, with the confidence of children of God, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us with gladness bring before the Lord the first of the fruit of everything that God has given us.
merciful God, everything in heaven and earth belongs to you. We joyfully release what you have entrusted to us. May these gifts be signs of our whole lives returned to you, dedicated to the healing and unity of all creation. Through Jesus Christ, amen. sun shall warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you. The blessing of God, almighty creator, redeemer, and sustainer be and abide with each one of us now and forever. <laughs> 